Welcome back to the Strength and Speed Podcast. I'm your host, Mudgear Hannibal Race Pro and Strength and Speed owner, Evan Preparis. I get a guest with me on the line before we get to him, though, a quick word from this episode's sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Mudgear. If you're in the OCR community, you know Mudgear. They make the socks and the compression shorts that feel like everyone's wearing nowadays. I just wore the socks for KC Timber Challenge. They just did their last event of the year. And they'll be back next year with more events, but they also, for anyone who's in the Kansas City area, they also are doing Exiled Haunted Woods Experience, and they are also doing, uh, that's all throughout October, and then they also do High Adventure Zip Lining. So you pay, you get up on the zip line, and they take you through like, I think it's, it took like an hour. It was pretty cool, uh, pretty cool experience. So uh, check out Casey Timber, check out Mud Gear. You can use code ULTRAOCRMAN, and it saves you, mm, I think, 15% on Mud Gear. I'm not sure how much my own code works, but it's uh, it, it's a decent amount. So check out mudgear.com, Ultra OC Armament. All right, let's get to today's guest. Joining me, I've, I've got Cameron James. Cameron, say hi. How's it going? Good, good. I've been meaning to get you on the podcast for a while. I can't remember if I decided and asked you last year or if I decided in my brain and then didn't ask you. Um, <laughs> did I ask you last year or no? I don't think so. I'm not okay. sure, but hey, I'm excited to be here. So I, I think that was one of the, you're one of the ones who I was like, yeah, I should get him on the podcast. And then I was like, I'll message him when I'm ready. And then I probably never messaged you. Um, and then I saw you again at toughest um, a couple of weeks ago. And I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll get him on the podcast. We can talk a little bit about toughest. And then he's got a pretty deep wrestling background. We can talk a little bit about that. Um, so welcome. Uh, if you're not familiar with Cameron, it's team one world's toughest mother team division last year. Uh, anytime they show up to, um, uh, toughest mutter they are on the podium if not winning uh his team also came in second at ocr world championship in the pro men's division uh in was it 2021 was the year yep 2021 yeah. so huge accomplishment because the men's division is always hyper competitive uh very impressive and then if you're from the ohio area uh you definitely know him because he does really well in all those ohio races that are uh spread out throughout all those local brands that uh are, are local brands, but they seem to bring in very high level of competition. Um, I know, I know, you had a stacked field at War X this year, and you've podiumed at uh, Indian Mud Run several times. Oh yeah, War X was insane. I don't, I don't know how Ohio does it. You can't show up to a local race and just try to walk in and win it every time. I'm like, oh my lordy. <laughs> you know, I think with them hosting the first two OCR World Championships, I feel like it created this like deep scene where it attracted a lot of top athletes and I feel like they just never left. So I totally agree. So let's, uh, let's start off with some of your background. Um, we're going to be talking about obviously OCR. We're going to talk a little bit about wrestling and then also a little bit about, uh, the toughest mutter, uh, experience from a couple weeks ago. Um, so let's start off with your background, you know, take me through high school and then kind of, uh, yeah, we'll start there. Yeah. So, uh, the only sport I really did all growing up was uh, wrestling. I was super deep into it. I was really fortunate. My, uh, I guess, family blood runs deep in wrestling. My dad, my uncle, all family members. So I was, you know, put into it from an early age and loved it all growing up. Um, I'm from a small town called Zanesville, and uh, Columbus is about an hour away. So growing up three to four times a week, my uh, – some family member would drive me all the way to Columbus, make the hour drive, take me for wrestling practice, bring me back. Yeah, I was super lucky with that. Even sometimes I'd be fortunate enough to get to do high school wrestling, then go straight to Columbus. So 
awesome times with all that, but yeah, just wrestling. And, uh, around my freshman year, I was unfortunate. I suffered a pretty bad injury. I completely tore my PCL on my knee and it really derailed my wrestling career. And at one point I was afraid that I wanted to actually get to compete in sport again. And it was at that point where I was on Google one day and I wanted to try out Ninja Warrior and I was lucky enough to meet someone that you know, Michelle Warnke. And uh, she, helped yeah. me get, she helped me get into Ninja Warrior and she also helped me get into OCR. Awesome, awesome. So I tell me a little about some of the, the events you've won in wrestling and then talk about a little bit how um, – I know wrestling is just a very grueling sport and I feel like every time I meet a wrestler, they're just very tough people, like mentally and physically. Um mm. You know, tell me a little bit about that and how that crosses over into OCR. Yeah, I think it's a great background to bring into any sport to have that base in wrestling. But yeah, so growing up, I was able to win a state title. And then I had lots of uh, All-American honors in like elementary school and middle school. And then going into high school for the short time I did actually get to compete. I uh, had only had one loss in my weight. I won some pretty decent sized tournaments that year and things were looking really good. Ohio is usually the second ranked state overall in wrestling. And I was ranked pretty high because they, they do high school rankings in most states in the Midwest since wrestling's so big. So everything was looking good and I had injury and some weight issues and things didn't work out at the end of that season. And then I actually, I went to a, a big national tournament and after that I was prepping and uh, I was in a friend's basement, and I tried to do a, a wrestling move that was a little too funky. Essentially, I guess try to imagine this. He had my leg in the air underneath of his armpit in a, in a single leg, and I tried to jump in the air and roll through his legs, so a little bit of funk in there. Mm. And he, he did a good job blocking with his knee, and the bad thing is we weren't on a wrestling mat. So all his weight and all my weight went on my knee into concrete. So... That messed my knee up pretty bad, and I had a, a long recovery period for that. Luckily, everything uh, everything eventually went well, but it really derailed my wrestling career. But one blessing in disguise it did for me in the time that I couldn't wrestle. At a very young age, my uh, coaches gave me the opportunity to help mentor other high school kids and also some of the youth. So I, I was exposed to coaching really young and got to learn from some great people. Yeah, yeah, that's unfortunate about the wrestling career but you know i you know i think when one door closes another door opens you just got to be you have your you got to have your eyes open and look for the opportunity and it sounds like you found it so absolutely so so talk to me a little bit about more about some of the lessons right so again wrestling grueling sport um I, we were talking before the podcast recording started I've, I've been in i retook the army's basic combatives course this week so i've been been fighting people all week for like eight hours a day and the the guys with the wrestling background are always are always very difficult because they're you know they move fast they're aggressive and uh, yeah it's always interesting to go against a wrestler my my only grappling background is jujitsu and it's only I've only been doing it for about two years at this point so um, awesome. talk to me about some you know crossover lessons from uh, wrestling into the world of obstacle course racing yeah so wrestling in general has this kind of like aura about it to where it's all about this grind, they say, and really every practice, lo looking back, maybe the mentality is not the best, 
but it's kind of for them instead of working smarter most of the programs it's about working harder so every day you're encouraged you know go absolutely as hard as you can Hmm. and for me you know doing that at such a young age I started I was exposed to wrestling and in a wrestling room for the first time when I was three years old and you know there was times as like a 11 10 12 year old where I'd get to do a two-hour wrestling practice as an elementary school kid with the high school team and then my grandma would pick me up and take me to Columbus and I'd get to wrestle with top level kids in Ohio so that that built work ethic into me I think it also built a lot of stubbornness um and as you as i'm finding out and you're you're the pro at this but with the endurance racing that is just such like a a key component to bring into that um because man like wrestling really also prepares you mentally especially one aspect that can get overlooked is that the weight cutting and the big thing weight cutting obviously sucks but the, the worst part about it even worse than the uh cutting process is having to train while your body is so physically exhausted and then you're starving on top of that. So for me, like looking back, I feel like it's hard to ever match like the feeling of pushing my body to its limits while, you know, starving and exhausted and all of that. So I feel like when I've needed to in races, I've been able to pull that part back to me. And one reason I was drawn to OCR in the first place is, uh, that I, I felt a strong similarity to wrestling and OCR. I, I tried out Ninja Warrior before I got into OCR, and I really enjoyed it. But what I like so much about OCR is that as long as you put in the work and you believe in yourself and you truly want it, I feel like you can achieve great things. Yeah. And that that's how wrestling is. I, I like that. You're never out of the fight, and you can always – if you put in the work and you believe in yourself, I feel like you can really do big things. And I feel like OCR and wrestling both have that commonality. Gotcha. So you, you found uh, Ninja Warrior first. And what, what was your first OCR you ended up stepping out to the course for? Oh, this one's – this is a funny answer. But my first ever OCR race was a OCR World Championship, one of the races in Ohio. <laughs> um, and it was just – I – 2015 one? Oh, what, which years was it in Ohio? Was it in 14, 15? 14 and 15, was it in yeah. six? Okay, then it was 15. Um, one of my good friends, he had gotten into OCR, and he went to high school with me, and he just loved it. He didn't fully explain to me what it was, but he was like, there's obstacles. And to me, I was like, wow, obstacles? And I didn't sign up to do, like, the, the actual weight race. I hadn't qualified or done any previous races, but he said there was a, a team event. So he talked to myself and another guy into joining his team. And the way he explained it to me was, you're going to be on this course, you're going to do a bunch of obstacles, and you pass, pass all the timing chip to me. So, you know, this, I think the speed guy went first, and then they handed it off to me, and I saw this, like, football field-like area, it felt like. And I sprinted through and did all the obstacles, and I remember just being so exhausted, and I thought I was done. And then they're like, no, you got to go run. Go go underneath this culvert. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And I've got to run and go in the woods. And it absolutely humbled me. It beat the heck out of me. <laughs> I remember getting chicks pretty early on, and I thought to myself, I was like, man, like, I've only done wrestling for so long, and I was so used to winning. But I loved the feeling of, like, hey, this is a whole new challenge. So that's, that's how it started. Yeah, and so and then when that so that must have been that was 2015. 
Um, Because in 2014, the team race was run a full 15K lap with a partner and then pass off the timing chip. And then you and your the other partner run a full 15K lap. It was, I would have di- I would have died. It was not a good format. It took all day. Um, they changed it in 2015, the year after. It was like, yeah, this is a much better this is a much better format, and uh, they've continued to do a good job ever since. And the team, if anyone's headed to OCR World Championships year this year, the team race is always my favorite day um, because it's short, it's fast. You're you know you're you're running with teammates, and I love when they when they do team obstacles, which they usually go a little bit light on, uh, except when it was in London, but. Uh, we'll see what this year brings. Yeah, All I right, missed so you, out on the awesome wall, the that big like the where yeah, everyone has to work together. Yeah, the big I was slip sad wall. about that. Yeah. The so when did you when did you like so that was your first OCR exposure 2015 mm-hmm. fall. When did you go like all right, I'm going to start getting good at this and, you know, do some focused running training and uh kind of put my emphasis into OCR. Yeah, so it kind of took a while actually. I continued to Hop into a couple races a year because I really enjoyed them. You've have you ever heard of Mud Ninja? Yeah, I was there 2016. Okay, well that that was like a staple race every year. I'd go and do that. So I I I was blessed with all these amazing races in Ohio. So I would do races, but I would never go run. And it wasn't until it was 2020 when COVID was starting, and. I, I thought, or no, sorry, it was right before COVID. So it must have been like 2019, the middle of it. I I started running and I was like, wow, I'm actually enjoying this. And I, I trained, I told myself I'd train for one race and it was actually Mud Ninja. And I got fourth at that race behind some pretty good guys in Ohio. And I was like, wow, like I could, I could actually do something if I train. So I went ahead and all during COVID. And then as soon as I trained really hard, then when uh, things opened back up, I was full force into it i got myself a coach and ever since i've been insanely addicted to anything cardio and endurance yeah so tell me a little bit about your team for we'll start off with your team for ocr world championships and kind of how that race played out yeah so this one's actually a really fun one it's it's funny so the team that i actually race for and represent is called a u.s ocr midwest that's my good friends kevin ben and seth so I had met them at Indian Mud Run that year, and uh, their relay team was already full since it's only three people. So we weren't able to join a team together, but I had another good friend in Ohio, Aaron Lake is his name, and then uh, Dustin Livingood is another guy who lives in the Midwest, and he kind of been a little bit like a mentor when I'd see him at races giving me advice. So I asked those two if they would do it with me, and that became our team. So we... We actually got to represent Indian Mud Run, which was super cool. So that was our team name, Indian Mud Run. And uh, we went into the race, and uh, Aaron Lake was our speed guy. I was the strength guy, and Dustin was the technical. So right off the bat, we were super shocked because we see VJ coming down the hill. Of course, he'd be in first. But not insanely far behind him comes Aaron. And we're like, oh, my gosh, like we're in this. Yeah. So, you know, he – he hands it off to me and then I took off and I felt really good. I had to go against the uh, Alvaro Vasquez from Florida who I know he does a lot of Spartans and he's just a freak at climbing. I was trying my best to stay ahead of him and at least stay right with him. So I was able to do that. And then the U S OCR Midwest guys, they were right there with us as well. 
So we had been dropped by VJ, Logan, and Ian Hosick. So they went ahead and dropped us. And then it came down. The whole race was between Indian Mud Run, the US OCR Midwest, and then it was Team Puerto Rico. So we doled it out the entire time. And it actually came down to a uh, – oh, is it Urban Sky? What's the, the rig right before Ricochet? Uh, Urban Sky is – yeah. Okay. Yeah, that, that so, sky. One of my good buddies had a little mess up on USOCR Midwest on the uh, Urban Sky. So he fell off, and we were able to pass them, and Puerto Rico is right beside us. And then we got to Ricochet, and uh, Puerto Rico actually finished it before we did. But we actually did the cargo net faster than they could do the cargo net. So that's how we sealed the deal was on the cargo net and sprint. That's wild. So it was – I have a video of it, and I watch it way too often. And then, oh, <laughs> uh, it was it was the biggest adrenaline adrenaline rush. Uh, Dustin Living Good was the one who kind of brought it home for us. He, I remember we were running together at the end, and you could tell he he completely sold out. He he tells me that it took him months and months and months to recover from that race. He said he he really burnt a lot of burnt a lot of matches in that one. Yeah. So yeah, now we you- were. Super now that fortunate. you tell the story, I'm pretty sure I was watching that ending because I remember being like, I remember seeing two teams on the net. I don't remember what race it was, but I remember that specific thing and like people mm-hmm. booking it to the line. So that's awesome. Yeah, it, it was exciting and like it, it also made us feel good because you know there's a lot of people around at the time, so everyone seemed to be invested and yelling. Like it felt, it felt like legitimate. It was, it was a blast. Yeah. Yeah, again, the team race is always, to me, is always the best part of OCR World Championships weekend. Mm-hmm. You know, because you, you get, like, your happiness multiplied by your team's happiness, multiplied by, like, the crowd, right? The crowd, like, people, because there are people who race and, uh, you know, Friday, Saturday, and are sticking around for mm-hmm. Sunday, and they're just watching. And, uh, you know, the pro men, women, and co-ed are always uh, always a good good thing to watch on the Sunday, even if you're not yes. racing. It's pretty exciting. So there's exciting. there's lead changes. There's you know you, everyone needs to be able to do all the obstacles, like as you as you just told. And um, yeah, sometimes it comes down to right, right to the wire. So definitely my favorite race. I I love OCRWC. I love the mix of I love the obstacles they offer and just the atmosphere. They do it so well. Yeah. So you know, with your wrestling background, I think that's more of a short course, fast twitch type of athlete. How did you end up diving into the endurance stuff like Toughest Mudder? That is such a great question. So um, one of the things that actually sparked me to train and take OCR serious was Tough Mudder put out a promo when it was eight hours. And I watched that promo, and that thing got me so amped up. <laughs> and at the time, I whole another story, I guess, but I was doing a short stint where I was living in California. And I signed up for a uh, toughest and I started training and that was going to be the first race I did not mud ninja for like taking it serious. And there was a mudslide the day before the race and it got canceled in California. Mm. So I wasn't able to do that one. And uh, yeah, it just sat with me ever since I was like, I don't know why, but something about this race looks so awesome. I really enjoy running at night. I didn't know if I would be able to handle it or not. I mean, in training, I've gradually increased my load, so I, I kind of just, I kind of just took a chance on it, to be honest. Yeah. And then you're, um, talk to me a little bit about. You mentioned your team, um, 
U.S. Midwest OCR. Is that the correct? Yep. I know it's a it's a it's a mouthful. <laughs> uh, talk to me a little bit about your team and like, um, you know, like how did how did you guys find each other and you know, or uh, give like a social media page that people can follow, um, etc. Yeah, so we do we do have an Instagram page and it should just be U.S. OCR Midwest. Um, yeah, so the the team origins. So there's Kevin Thompson, Ben Rittenhouse, and Seth Rinderconnect. And the way the team came to be, so Seth and Ben had met each other at a race by actually cheering each other on. So they raced against each other. I think it was like at a Warrior Dash. And then they went to one of the OCRWCs in Canada. And Seth is an extremely fast runner. He actually ran for a Division I school in college i think he ran for xavier i think he i think he walked on and got to run there because he's an ohio guy as well he doesn't live here anymore but that's where he's from and uh he was running but he he was struggling with the obstacles and ben who's a powerhouse kind of guy you know crushed through the obstacles came back and was uh coaching seth on some stuff and helping him get through and afterwards they they were able to connect and become super good friends and then at another race they met Kevin because they had raced against him. And I actually, it's funny, the first one I met is Kevin. So Ben and Seth are in their early 40s. But uh, Kevin, I'm 27 and Kevin's around my age. So I had seen Kevin on Instagram and I'm not a shy person. And I was like, oh, you know what? This guy looks cool. So I actually messaged <laughs> him way back in 2020. And I was like, hey, would you ever want to do a toughest with me as a team? And he was like... <laughs> He must have decided to message me back, even though I was the weirdo just reaching out. So he messaged me back. I was like, yeah, I'd like to do that. So we were talking back and forth, and he ended up coming down to a race in West Virginia, just a, a smaller one, and we met in person. And then after that, at Indian Mud Run in 2021, I was able to meet Ben and Seth. So it's just been an awesome dynamic, I guess, kind of worked from the start. And then I begged those guys, like, we have to do this toughest thing. We could – we could do so well. It just kind of matched our, our skill set that we all had. So we got to do our first one in Indianapolis last year, and then we went straight and did uh, Worlds afterwards. Yeah, yeah so I, I was at Indianapolis with you. Uh, you guys won by a fair amount. We were uh, My team was in third, and we were we were not close. You guys were smoking smoking those laps. So we, um, we had a great race. We really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was very impressive to see. And, um, yeah, it was it was good stuff. Uh, so th- when you jumped into Worlds, any concern? I know you changed one of your people for Worlds. Um, any concern with, yeah. one, finding a, a new person, and then, two, jumping from 12 to 24 hours? Like, Give me some of like your concerns going in and then how they actually played out on the back end. Oh, yeah, big time. We were – so the, the change in person was not supposed to happen. Our member, Ben, got COVID a week before the race. So he wasn't able to come and we're like, oh man, we've been training so hard. This was our A race. Like, what are we going to do? And at first we were kind of, we weren't going to throw in the towel. We're like, let's just maybe try to do a a three person uh, team and just see what happens. Well, Ben, he was good friends with the chainsaw Rick, Richard Shin. And he, he felt responsible for, you know, getting COVID, even though he couldn't help it. So he asked Rick if he would like to do our team and, Luckily, Rick, he was already going to be there because of the location. So he's like, sure, I'll go ahead and 
pop on the team. The uh, one thing I – Rick absolutely saved us. I felt so bad for him, though. So he, he's done pretty well on ultra events, and he had a better resume going into it than the three of us did because we're so fairly new to, you know, the, the longer distance stuff. Well, he had been dealing with an injury, so he hadn't ran in a couple months and was still nursing an injury. So at the end of the day, he was only able to give us 25 miles. But if it wasn't for those 25 miles he gave us, we wouldn't have been able to do it. And when he was running, he was ripping because he was the guy running with me. So, Yeah, he's he's fast. He's fast. And what's funny is I remember remember talking to you guys in the middle of that race, and um, I think that was the first time I met Chainsaw Rick. And then – you fast forward a couple months and someone's like, yeah, do you know, uh, Richard Shin? I was like, never heard of him. And then, and someone's like, Chainsaw <laughs> Rick. And I was like, oh, Chainsaw Rick. Right. Um, and then we actually got the film on the same day of Ninja Warrior this year, which is super that's, cool. That's they, awesome. They filmed because they filmed two episodes in one night. Uh, so he was on, he wasn't in, my, in the same episode I was in. Uh, I know his episode actually just aired like a week or two ago. Um, but we were there filming at the same time. So that was kind of cool to also, you know, it's always cool to show up to the set and see someone, you know, or that you've met before. And, um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. He, he's such a cool character. Like, and he, he's genuine. Like as you, I'm sure like the more you were like, see him and talk to him at first, you're like, is someone really this like eccentric and like <laughs> keep this up all the time? It's like, yes, he 100% is just that cool. <laughs> Yeah, so tell me a little more about the 12 to 24 hour jump. Like any any concern big concerns you had going in, obviously besides the last minute change in personnel, um just like the adaptation from 12 to 24 and kind of how yeah. it played out. So, for us the biggest thing was going to be there's a couple factors. Um Seth, our teammate, we knew that he he had a a good endurance base on him. He does really high volume in his training, but Kevin and I we don't do as high, just strict running volume. We both do other types of training as well. So we weren't as familiar. So both him and I were a little bit nervous. And at toughest, Kevin, he has some stomach issues, and they, they occur often or had occurred often. So he had gotten very sick the last lap and a half in Indianapolis. So we were that, that was a big worry for us. And also for me, it was just like, you know, could I do this? This is, you know, uncharted territory for me. So those were, those were the main things aside from like the natural, like, oh my gosh, I'm going to do this for 24 hours and hearing like all the war stories from all these other awesome <laughs> people that have done this stuff. And, you know, I watched all the videos that, and content like that you've put out and other people have put out. So we try to prepare ourselves the best as we could, but it seems so hard your first time to be as prepared as you want to be. Yeah. It's, it, I mean, you kind of got to experience it. Like you can, you can prepare a fair amount, but um, you know, experience definitely plays a big role. Mm-hmm. Yeah, gotcha. And then um, this past, so you know, you guys won the team this year or last year, and then um, this past toughest, the one that just occurred in what state were we in? I don't know, Minneapolis. Uh, yes. <laughs> So uh, talk to me about that and kind of your decision, like why you guys didn't decide to go in as a team again uh, and split up. Yeah, so I think it was more so like, hey, we were like, let's let's experiment with this and see what happens, I guess. Um, I think we just – we knew that teams, like, what we want to do. Mm-hmm. But it was like, okay, like, we have to try this at least once. 
So that, that was the main reason, just the fact that we hadn't really done it before. So it turned out that myself and Seth were the only ones that went into it kind of looking to really compete. Kevin, he's doing the, the Savage National Series, and he, he just races a ton. And in, and in standard distance racing, I hate to say it, but he, he's got my number for sure. He, he's had a, an amazing season this year. So, so he didn't, He's so fast. Oh, he's so fast. He, <laughs> I'm always, we're always talking crap to each other. So I, I still haven't gotten him once yet, but he's, he's won almost every race he's done this year. So his goal was to go in there, blow everyone else up and get the green bib. That's all he wanted was that green bib. <laughs> and then uh, Ben Rittenhouse, our other teammate, he actually just had a baby not crazy long ago. So he was able to come and be with us, but he hadn't gotten to train as much as he had in the past. So his intentions were really just to, feel things out, be with the guys and have a good time. Gotcha. And then how did the, um, I remember you, when you guys, I think you messaged me a couple of weeks before and we're like, yeah, I'm going, or maybe it was the day before, mm-hmm. but you're like, yeah, I'm going, but we're not doing team. We're doing individual. And I was like, Oh damn. I was like some fast dudes. <laughs> I was like, this is going to be, a, this is going to be a rough race. Yeah, Cause usually the Midwest one is, I feel like a little less competitive than the East coast one. And mm-hmm. going, going into the Minneapolis one, I was like, Oh man, this is, this is going to be, there's going to be some fast dudes. I was like, I'll just hold my own pace and you know, wherever I, I end up, I end up and, uh, talk it to works me about, out. It, it, it does work out. Uh, talk to me about how the, like the, the weather and how that played a factor in, um, just kind of your experience and how. The yeah. So I definitely had a good time at that race. I went in there with very high hopes, but also was naive. I, I, I really did all that I could personally do in my training. I feel like I can only handle a certain load of running. And then I love doing cross training. So I put in my best effort and I went in there. And uh, for me, the weather definitely did throw me off a tiny bit. But the main thing was I just, I wasn't used to just running that far without the brakes. And I didn't, I guess I, I didn't experience, I hate to admit this, but aside from that, I mean, at a, a team and, all the other things we've done, I've done big chunks of mileage, but my body recovers insanely fast. So getting those little breaks, you know, at WTM, I was running 15 miles at a time and then taking an hour break. I was gold afterwards, but hmm. I didn't realize how much different it would be not taking any breaks. That probably sounds dumb. So I felt amazing until I didn't like, it felt like a, <laughs> a light switch. Like I, I just, I had an experience that I'm sure someone like you with all like that that's done so much you've learned so many lessons and for me like I was one million percent confident that I would I I knew Elmer was gonna be hard to catch I was like I'm gonna be able to get second and then as soon as my body went I was like oh my god I've never felt this in my life I've heard about it but I've never felt it so I guess I bonked is what people call it right yeah I mean you run out of glycogen you're not you're not fueling fast enough or your body's just physically not used to that level a consistent level of exertion over that long of a period, you know? Yeah, it was wild. It was like a, I, I still don't really know exactly what it was. It was almost like my hip area, my groin. Um, and then like right the upper part of my thigh, like the whole entire area, almost like locked up. Like I remember the last lap that I did first off, I, I lost the ability essentially to run. Like I felt like I was just power hiking really fast. And then when I'd have to lift my legs over obstacles like even the most simple ones like this like i'm having a hard time picking my leg up and then I, <laughs> like obstacles are kind of 
one of my specialties. I went to do Everest, and I was like, I do not know if I can throw my leg up right now. So that was a humbling experience, but a great lesson. Yeah. Yeah, that was an interesting race. So the, it started off, and the field – right, I'm getting older. I'm, I'm above – I'm 41 at this point, right? So I'm getting older, and I'm like – Still no, the killer. Eventually my, you know, you start going downhill and my training paces have slowed down. I, I can, I can tell from three years ago, there's a, I feel like there's a substantial difference on race day. I usually still pull it all together, but uh, even, but I still feel a little bit slower. So the, the race started and I was, I don't know, in 20, I was, I was 25th or something like 30th on the end of the first lap. And I was like, oh, it's uh, might not be my day. And I just kind of kept running. And the weird thing was like, I don't remember passing like I remember passing almost no one uh, that I was like, oh, this person's definitely in front of me. And then on mm-hmm. like lap, I don't know, six, I think it was the end of lap six. I asked my pit crew, I was like, hey, do you know what place I'm in? Like, I kind of want to know for the last couple of laps. And they're like, you're in third. And I was like, I'm in third. It's like, when did I move up? Um, but the weather, I think a lot of people dropped out due to the weather. So if you, if yeah. you, if you weren't following the race, like, you know, it's, it's Midwest, it's early July. And I think people are used to it, it had been particularly hot. So people were used to like 90 and 100 degree days and the weather, it was like a cold front that night or something. And it dropped down to like 50. So between your body's used to 90 degrees and all of a sudden it's 50. Um, I think people did not bring the right equipment again because they didn't think it was going to be that mm-hmm. cold. And then um, I think mentally people were just not prepared to go into a very cold place, um, unlike world's toughest. So it got very lonely on that course at night i was i mean there was times at like two or three a.m i'd run for like a mile or two and not see another human and i was like hell is everyone it's like we're still racing right Um, no that's one thing i never thought about with the individual either like i was surprised even i i ended up it was like uh it would have been oh like 32 miles was my last lap when i decided to call it and like running, I guess individual, like being by myself, like that's a whole different factor. Like it, it was kind of cool, but like the mental part of like, okay, like this is a race, but I didn't realize uh, there's that factor of, you know, every time you do like a standard distance race or even team where you can engage and disengage the whole time, you're like, have that race mentality in your head. Like, oh, this is a race. This is a race that like, I'm pushing. Yeah. But, like at the point, like when I was in the got to like mile twenty, maybe I was like, okay, like this is starting to feel like I'm on a training run. <laughs> yeah, now that's right. I mean, m- most of the time I'm just like, I, I it's like on cruise control. Like I'm not pushing mm-hmm. particularly hard, but I'm not taking it easy, and I'm not. I'm just trying not to waste time and trying to be efficient. And it's just like, you know, this is my speed. We'll see yeah. where it ends. We'll see where where it puts me at the end of the day. You know, the typically the last couple laps I can I can push it, but it's mm-hmm. you know. It, it's, it feels like I'm pushing really hard, but I, my pace usually doesn't change that much. It's usually a couple minutes faster, but not, not significant. Definitely a skill. <laughs> so that kind of wraps up some of our talk for toughest. Let's jump back into the Midwest OCR scene. I know the, Mid- the Midwest, specifically Ohio, has had a lot of great races. We mentioned some of them already. Uh, unfortunately, some of them have, have disappeared over the years, uh, but there are still some good ones that are going on including stuff like War X. I know you went to that this year. Uh, tell me a little bit about War X because we always love supporting some of those local brands that we've got a lot of friends that both race and work on the build crew side. Yeah, so War X in particular, I feel like is one that everyone should have their eyes on. You know, Indian Mud Run in Ohio had such a following, and I've even heard 
people in the United States like refer to Indian mud run as almost a genre of racing. And if it is a genre, then war X is right in there. It's kind of got more of that European style where the obstacles are just, you know, they're, they're technical and they're just, they're really good obstacles. So in general, war X, um, gosh, if you've ever done Indian mud run, it is so similar to that. There's not quite as many obstacles yet. So, I'm gonna terrain, I'm gonna jump in for a minute. In, to me, Indian Mud Runner was like the the unofficial U.S. championship of OCR because the one million percent agree. The field was so deep. There were so many obstacles. They were so technical. Like to me, if you if you won Indian Mud Run, like that's you know U.S. champion level uh, athlete there. So go ahead. Uh, I I wanted it so bad to have that official title too. So oh gosh, I, I'm always gonna miss that race. But yeah, it's. I feel like it's really has the potential to go down that same route as Indian Mudder, and the terrain is so similar. I mean, they they use their terrain as a weapon. <laughs> They've got a first off rolling hills, um, like classic Ohio style. The the trails are absolutely beautiful. You go through creeks, and they take advantage of natural obstacles. So you get to like climb up waterfalls. You uh, do three swims. Which I I personally have gotten into swimming recently, so the swims helped me out an insane amount. I mean, they're not crazy big swims, but they've got swims in there, tons of uh, elevation gain. So you're always feels like you're always climbing because you're going up and down. You've got three different carries, um, lots of technical obstacles plus like your standard military esque obstacles that you'll see at races. Um, they've got a dragon's back over water. So that's freaking awesome. And then they're shooting guns and setting off explosives. I was getting ready to do an obstacle and they shot a flamethrower in front of me, which was just like, what the heck? That was so cool. Um, yeah. yeah, just an absolutely amazing race. What they're known for. I, I forget the name of this obstacle, but uh, it's the longest rig I've ever seen. I still think it has some kinks that need worked out because the way it works right now, I mean, this thing, it feels like it's like half the length of a football field. And if you fail on one part, you've got to redo the whole entire thing. But it's uh, tons of um, like nunchuck-esque grip holds. They're not hanging. They're attached to like, I don't know, I want to call it like a wheel. They're, they're kind of stationary, but it's to the point where they're like cylinders that you're holding on to. It's got like two different layers of that, and it's also got two balancing components to it and the balance was omega tough um because right before it they've got an insanely long like mud gauntlet you have to go through and the way the the race works there i know there's all kinds of like different band situations going on with an ocr right now rather like you earn a band or you wear a band at the beginning it gets taken off well war it war x has their own approach there's certain obstacles. I believe there's five. And if you fail any of those five obstacles, you don't get your band. So you earn the band as the race goes on. And I mean, if you want to get an overall award, it's much to your favor to have all five of those bands. If you want an overall or age group. So there's five obstacles that are essential and you've got to earn those. And mm. there, there's just some crazy stuff. I mean, stuff I've never seen in any other race. Yeah, they do a really good job. It's been one that I've been kind of meaning to get on my calendar for a while. And just it just falls into like a very busy time of year. It's always like right after a, uh, 
you know, an endurance one or mm. uh, I'm traveling during that time or, you know, it's Ohio is not really the closest for me. So, yeah, you know, I, I'm usually try to like when I w- when we went out to Indian Mud Run, that was like a long trip for us because I we drove oh, yeah. we drove and I stopped at my friend's place in Indianapolis. And then oh. it was like it was like a multi-day trip, right? Like a couple days there, a couple days back. Um, so, yeah. But yeah, they they did a they did a special uh, award you could get this year. It wasn't like a time for the whole entire thing, but you got this super sick medal. There was called it was the Warrior Gauntlet, I believe. So you did their full course, and then you did I think it was two or three additional laps of their. They called it a five k, but it was it was an OCR five k. That thing was clocking <laughs> more in it, four or five miles. So I I did that afterwards for some extra training. I did it with some friends and. That was a blast. Yeah, they still do a whole like event weekend because they used to do like three races in one weekend. It was like OCR, a trail race, and then something else. They still do that, yeah. or is it? Um, I definitely know that they still do a weekend. I'm not sure what all the events are. I know there's a trail race. Um, I think it's changed over the years in terms of like what they actually offer. In the past, I think they actually had like a a simulation. So I've heard to where you would be like assigned to a team and you would go out and hide in the woods. And like, these guys are all like veterans. It's all veteran ran. And, uh, they would get on like side by sides and like chase after you and try to capture you. So I heard it was this amazing simulation. Um, I missed out on that, but the people that put it on are just such good people. And they're attached to some really awesome, uh, military based programs to where I, I believe, I don't want to be, I guess, quoted on this, but I know, I think it's Wounded Warrior they're heavily attached to and some other organizations. So I know they do a lot for those. And it's just, it's a great race, ran by great people and has some awesome competition. Yeah, I should know all the details since it's uh, it's talked about in my book, Mud Run Guide's Ultimate OCR Bucket List. But to be fair, I didn't write the, par- I didn't write the, the section on War X. Uh, Phil Huckey did. So I don't oh, remember, he's awesome. I don't remember what he wrote, but he wrote the <laughs> section because he helped he helps work on like the build side of it. So I, I was like, well, I'll get I'll get you to write that section. And he's done the event a mm. whole bunch of times. So um, Yeah, he's helped build, I know, a lot of their like super innovative stuff. There's some obstacle. I don't know if it's like octagon shaped or what it is, but you have to get on it and spin it. It's insanely heavy. You have to like walk it. There's Yeah, it's like a human I don't even know how to describe it. It's like a human wheel. I yeah, mean, it's, it's, it's yeah, yeah. That, that was very that was very unique. I think that debuted last year, if I remember correctly. Um, that thing terrified me. <laughs> it's probably. I mean, I'd assume if you're heavier, it would be easier. Yeah. I mean, I haven't um, done it. It, it definitely would go fast. Yeah, you know, it definitely would be easier. It would go faster, I guess, if you got it going. I, I was lucky and got it on my first try, but you know, like it was my first time actually doing the race because I missed it. It's it's had weird dates in the past, but this year it took the Indian Mudrun date. But yeah, going into it, I was like, "Oh my gosh, I've never done this before! Like, if, what if I can't get it?" <laughs> but it, it was definitely unique. Yeah, you're you're very fast, right? So in a short race, you'll you'll blow me out of the water. So I was, I'd assume you'd be on the podium there. But tell me about the the field oh. that ended up showing up. Well, I appreciate the compliment very much. But, uh, yeah, the field, uh, it's so funny because I think I probably ran my best race of the year. Um, but I I ended up getting fourth. I had Logan Broadbent in first. And Logan, gosh, he, he's an all-around killer. 
I mean, his resume speaks for itself. And then uh, Noah Busher, so a young guy who I've actually been able to train with a little bit recently, and he's a monster. He just got third in the Chicago Savage National Series race. And then what I really didn't expect was Air Force Ken from Savage Race showed up. I was like, ah, man. And then the worst part, uh, so when I finished the race, I finished in third because Ken was in a different heat. And I was like, I doubt I was able to get him. Like, but then again, I was like, he's having, he's got no one out there to race against. So I was like, maybe I'll get him. But aside from that, we gapped the rest of the field pretty bad. And there were some really awesome racers there aside from us four. But yeah, it was, I actually, I got, I had a cool experience at the beginning. It was due to others misfortune, but the race took off and I always like, okay, I'm going to hang with Logan as long as I can. But that guy, like he's next level fast. So fast. So I'm a, you know, him and Noah right in front of me, we're running together and we get to a carry. And at this point, I think Logan's gone into the carry because it goes down a hill and comes back in and it's wooded. So I'm on the carry. And next thing you know, like I'm carrying past Noah and Noah is carrying the wrong amount of, it was ammo boxes. He had two. We were only supposed to take one. I was like, you took the wrong amount. And I felt <laughs> kind of guilty. He's, he's a smaller guy anyway. I mean, he's only 18. And he's like a coming out across country. So I was like, okay, like I'll pass you on the carry. <laughs> so I, I felt bad about it, but I passed him. And then I get to the next obstacle and they're like, you're in first place. I was like, first place. Like Logan went the wrong way. So he, for a quick, quick second, he went the wrong way. And then it turned around. It's like, oh God, now I've got him chasing me. So for, for a little bit up until probably like, or I was probably like mile three, I was right there and it felt really good. And they're, I would say the one, not a criticism about the race, but they really, uh, they load the first three miles. So mm. the swim and all the obstacles kept me right up there in the top three. Cause I, I was catching, catching them on the swim and then the obstacles I was doing well. And Logan had that mishap, but as soon as those obstacles were over, it was a pretty, it was a long stretch without obstacles mm. going into like, uh, probably like miles four, five and six beautiful terrain which was an obstacle on its own but i think there was like three carries out there but there was no more like rigs but the first three miles like the amount of obstacles you do is insane interesting it's awesome yeah i mean that's that's cool as long as it doesn't cause backups on the on the obstacles i know for, yeah. for, for me personally i like the hard obstacles spaced out a little bit because i feel like if i've done races where like all the hard obstacles are at the end and when that happens, I feel like the guys who are better runners will gap me, and then they can get across a hard obstacle, take take some time, and like recover, mm -hmm. and then then tr and then try the next one, the hard one. Versus to me, when they're spaced out, I think that a lot of the guys who are more runner based, it'll spike their heart rate, and they have trouble like recovering back into that like normal their normal running pace. Um, I I completely agree. I because I mean I I feel like I can trail run pretty well, and I just I mean. I got dropped by the complete runners and there's nothing, I mean, they're great at obstacles as well, but in terms of like general runners, it's, I always explain to people, it's crazy how much of a difference, you know, you take me or you and you put us in a 5k against people and we might get absolutely obliterated. Then you put yeah. us in OCR and those same guys, we're going to embarrass. Like it's, it's crazy how they're both running base sports, but even the smallest obstacles, it doesn't have to be the hard rig. Yeah. How much you do to somebody. Yeah. So I did, um, yeah, I've done up a couple of local races this year. One of them was called Wichita Gladiator Dash. And mm -hmm. um, 
you know, I show up and I'm like, oh, this shouldn't be shouldn't be a deep field. But like there was literally a high school cross country team there. That, That's like, the worst. <laughs> it just graduated. And I was like, damn it. And we started off. And they, again, they just they literally were like so far ahead of me. And then we were hitting obstacles that weren't even difficult. It was like a balance beam. It'd be like a wall. It'd be like a small A-frame. And I would just start catching people. And I was like, what is going on? But like they just weren't used to not doing something other than running, right? Like mm-hmm. the, the minorest of movements that required them to use their upper body, um, again, kind of spikes their heart rate. And then they're like, oh, they can't get back into their running zone. Um, so, yeah, it's OCR. It's a different it's a different sport. You think you think the crossover would be higher than it is. Um, and there is a high crossover, but I, I always assumed it would be, it would be more like I, I always, when I started racing back in like 20 uh, racing a lot back in like 2015, 16, mm-hmm. uh, I was like, man, as soon as runners figures out, there's like, there's this other type of races going on. Like, you know, the high school runners and the college runners, like we're going to just going to get, I'm just going to get blown out of the back of the pack. Like I won't, I won't even be competitive at anything. And, uh, you know, there are crossovers, but it's not as widespread as I kind of pictured it would be. I I completely agree with you. And I came into it with that same mindset. Then over time, I've learned, like, you know, we we do have a a unique skill that we've tailored and taken advantage of. I mean, at at the end of the day, it's two different things. Because at first, when I started training, I'd get a little bit frustrated with – my running because I, I always I want to I want to try to be as good as I can at everything. It's like I want to get faster, quicker. And some of these guys I'd beat like they they could run faster, but I'd beat them in OCR. And it just comes down to, you know, that compromised running ability. Yeah, you know, really that's a skill in itself. Uh, so talk to me a little bit about your training. Um, anything you do specifically to focus on that compromised running, or do you think that's a crossover from your you know wrestling background of you know, exerting a lot of energy and then kind of calming down and, you know, repeating that process. Yeah. So at one point I was doing a lot of, uh, like CrossFit workouts. I, I did that to like build my base, almost kind of like high rocks. I didn't really know what high rocks was at the time, but I was doing a lot of that when I was getting started. But nowadays it's mostly just pure, you know, running, cycling, swimming, stuff like that. I, I definitely think, uh, as you said, the wrestling, that was kind of something that built me from a young age to have that compromised ability because I always uh, tell the kids I coach in wrestling, you need, you need to be able to go from zero to 100 in a second and then bring it back down. And that's really not something I even put together until I got into, into OCR. Like it's such a, such a skill on its own to be able to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I like what you said there because, you know, I, I think sometimes when we watch, if I watch someone's social media, right, like one of the top OCR guys train and you're like, oh, well, I'll just take his running plan or take his method of training and apply it to myself. Mm-hmm. But that may not always be the best answer because your background right, be, might be different, right? Like if you're if you're a pure coming from a pure running background, your style of training when you get into OCR is going to look different from someone who's a strength training athlete getting into OCR, right? Like more, um, you know, a wrestler where, you know, you need to focus more on pure cardio. Right. And, uh, I've at this point in my OCR career, I've built up enough like obstacle experience. Most of my training is like you, it's just pure running. Like I'll just do pure running and then I'll work on obstacles separately. 
Um, and then I don't, I don't actually put them together as often as I used to. I used to like do workouts where I'd practice running and going into obstacles and going back to running. Uh, but I've done so many OCRs at this point. I think, I think my body is already pretty good at that. And I think I, I benefit more just from focusing on running or just from focusing on obstacles. So, yeah, yeah I, I think I'm the same. I, I'm 100% with you on that one. Cause I, I started with doing those kind of workouts, but I really do feel like it's something that gets integrated within yourself through your, your past training or things you've, you've done over time. And then, yeah, now it's all about for me, just getting those miles in. Cause that's what I was lacking was, was just the experience. I, I wasn't a runner. So. Yeah. And you mentioned it uh, just before we slightly diverted us off topic or into a different lane, but uh, talk to me a little about your coaching and kind of what you do now. Yeah. So I have been insanely lucky to, for a living, I guess, what I'm doing is I own a uh, wrestling club. So it's essentially a gym, but all we do is coach wrestling. Uh, It was never my plan or intentions. I thought when I had my injury and things went south at high school and I, I realized all my goals and plans for wrestling were over, that wrestling was a thing of the past. But I kept getting drawn back into it. You know, it's something I'd always done. And uh, slowly but surely, I got pulled into coaching some more after I graduated high school. And next thing you know, I started doing private lessons with people. And uh, during COVID, there wasn't a whole lot of options. And I was lucky enough to have some wrestling mats. So my privates picked up more and more. And I decided to make a transition from coaching more high school-based athletes who are already elite wanting to go to college into coaching youth wrestlers. So I made a, a little bit of a gamble doing that and it's worked out and been the most rewarding job I ever could have asked for. It's honestly not a job. I'd, I'd do it every day if I could. I love it. I love the kids. It's the most rewarding thing I could ask for. It's a, it's called rising Kings wrestling club. And yeah, it's, it's a blast. You guys got a social media page or anything people can follow if they want to check it out or learn more. Yeah, so on Facebook and Instagram, it should just be under uh, Rising Kings Wrestling. I tried to keep that one simple. Nice. Even though the name's a little bit complex. (laughs) How'd you come up with the name? Uh, That part's kind of funny. So it kind of evolved over time. So when I was in high school, played a little bit of Call of Duty, and some friends and I, we... You could have, like, clan names, I think it was. You could could write four... I think you could write a four-letter word or put four numbers or letters in a space. And I was looking around my bedroom and I had a wrestling trophy that said King of the Hill. So I was like, okay, we'll, we'll call the clan King. And then somewhere along the lines, I added a Z into it. And then uh, my friends and I, we used to call ourselves the rising Kings and we had t-shirts made. So when someone told me I needed a name for my wrestling team, I was like, well, we've got these shirts that say rising Kings. <laughs> so it kind of just it kind of just happened and now it's 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 kind of a it's funny to me now because the name kind of started as a joke but now I'll drive down the road and see people with stickers that say Rising Kings in the back of their car and every time I giggle to myself that's awesome that's awesome so what does the future look like uh for you uh first let's focus on OCR what does the future look like for OCR you know any kind of big goals you want to hit any uh you know bucket list races etc stuff like that yeah so i guess to finish off this year the main thing i'm looking towards is a wtm 
we've got a really big and lofty goal. We would love to at least we'd love to tie or try to get the uh, the team record. We know it's going to be challenging, and the formats change a little bit from what it was when it was set. But uh, we're ambitious people, and we need a goal. So we're going back. We're we're doing the team, and we're we're hoping to get that hoping to get that number at the very least. We definitely want to try to win that race again. We're really hoping, you know, we've got some good teams to compete against. Last year in Indianapolis, we were really lucky, as you said. We had a really strong field of teams. So uh, hopefully some good teams show up. We would love to race the team that has the record, but I think they're doing individuals. So that's the thing we're aiming for this year. And then in the future, uh, next year, I really just want to – I want to try to race more often and – try to get back to some standard distance races. Uh, I'd like to go maybe try the Savage Series out. And if I don't go that route, what I want to do is I really want to explore more local races. I really I really enjoy those and have the most fun with those. So I'll be doing uh, – War X will be a huge goal next year. That's something I'm going to train specifically for. And uh, I'd like to go – oh, my gosh, I'm going to forget the name. It's a race in Alabama. I think it's Alabama. It's a uh, a lot of people go to it. It's a pretty big OCR. It's a local one. I just cannot remember the name of it. Phoenix OCR, Barbarian Challenge. Barbarian Challenge. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah, Phoenix has one in Ohio, so I plan on doing that. It was on a bad date this year, so I plan on doing the Barbarian and Phoenix. Uh, Barbarian is also in my bucket list book, although – Parts of that book are becoming outdated. It's turning into more of a history book as <laughs> as brands close down. Um, uh, and some of the books, some of the races that were in there were already closed down when I published the book, but I left them in there because I thought I thought some of them had like really cool concepts that I thought even if the, mm-hmm. that brand specifically wasn't successful, that idea could be successful. Like there used to be a race in Ohio. I don't know. I think it was in Ohio. Maybe it wasn't Ohio. There was a race called the Tandem Race where you were like, I did it. I you did, did it. That, race. Oh, that was my about first it. race I ever won. Talk about it. Yeah, t- talk about it. Because I, I, I know very little information about it. I remember seeing a couple of ads for it, a couple of uh, pictures, um, and it, like I think it only maybe happened like one or two years. Uh, tell us a little bit about Tandem Race. So, it's funny. Do you know who ran that race? Who was the director? Uh, I do not. It was Ethan Swanson, the Ninja Warrior guy. No way. Yeah, I know. I remember meeting him at that race because he hadn't done Ninja yet, and he told me, like, he trains Ninja but hadn't been on the show. Um, So that was crazy. But the idea for it was so cool. There was definitely some flaws. But essentially, you know, you'd have a partner, and all the obstacles you had to do as a team. And there were some pretty intense grip obstacles in there as well. So I remember one of the obstacles – actually, the start of the race, it started out, they're like, okay – one partner has to get on the back of the other one off the start. We say, go, you've got to get to this point, and you can drop your partner. So that part, it was intense start off the bat. And then I remember the very first obstacle they put us at was the biggest wall I've ever seen. And you couldn't do it by yourself. It was a straight-up wall, so it wasn't a slip wall. So even by, I remember, I'm probably like 5'8", five, 5'9", five, and so was my friend. I was standing on his shoulders and jumping, and I still couldn't reach the top of that wall. I eventually was able to get it, but the way it worked, for each obstacle you got, you got points. And then if you finish under 40 minutes as a team, you got points for that as well. So the the venue I did, I think it was only their second or third race they did, 
but it was pouring down rain, which made everything even harder. Because I remember there was a pegboard. Um, there were some rigs that turned out to be pretty futuristic with, like, cannonballs and all kinds of other things. Uh, I'd say the hardest obstacle that was there, and it was probably because of the rain, there was um, – it was basically – a tall structure with two beams going across the top, like almost like the construction beams where there's like a divot in the middle. So I had to climb up on top of it and reach down and hold my friend's arms. And I had to try to walk on top of this tall structure <laughs> in the divot while holding him up. And I remember like that was the hardest obstacle at the time. And uh, yeah, we got through it and we were able to win. But here's the big flaw. If you weren't in first off the bat, you were screwed. Luckily, we realized that because the way it worked, there was only one of each obstacle. And if someone uh, else was on, you had to wait in a line. So that first obstacle we were on, you did only get three tries. But still, I mean, that can add up. We were on that wall, and all the other teams were in a line waiting for us to do it. So we could have sat there all day and got our breath, done whatever. Luckily, I mean, we, we took it as a race. And uh, it, it worked out for us, but... Yeah, it sounds like they should have done a time trial format, you know. For, yeah. If, 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 if there's only one lane, you got to do a time trial format, you know, otherwise it's, um, yeah, like you said, it's not fair. I So Casey Timber Challenge, uh, the local brand in Kansas City, did something. They did a duo dare challenge this year and last year. And um, similarly, you had to run with a teammate, and they, they made a lot of the obstacles, like, teammate-based. And it started off the same way, like the piggyback carry. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a lot of fun. I, it was like – some of the most fun I've I've had running uh, OCR in a, in a while. So it was. Uh, we'll see if they bring it back. I know the numbers were low. Uh, Casey Timber Challenge has on their website and their Facebook right now. Or I think on their their Facebook they have like a survey for people to fill out. Yeah. So anyone who is interested in Casey Timber lives locally to Kansas City or Midwest area, go to Casey Timber's website at um, their Facebook and. Tell them to keep the duo dare challenge. If not, if not keep the full race, keep at least that as like a morning option. That's what I'm going to write in there because I know the number. Like I said, the numbers were low, and I don't want to tell them to make bad business decisions. But I really want them to keep like the first, you know, two hours of one of their events a team a team event, and then they can do like the regular event for the rest of the day. Because it was I ran with uh, Thomas Plush, and we had a, we had a blast. It was like a three legged race at one point. You know, you, you're you're tied to the other guy. Um, the, the quad steps were like, I think we were far apart. Oh no, they were close together. So essentially it was like, uh, tough mutters, uh, Texas Hold'em where like you're on each side of the uh, triangle yeah. and you kind of got to walk across together. Uh, I'm trying to remember what the other ones were. They had one, off. they had one that was a medicine ball that you had to pick up, um, and without using your hands and walk to like a line and walk back. <laughs> that's, that, that's cool. So that was pretty funny because you're like you're like one of you's laying on the ground, the other one's like in a deep squat, and we're like pushing our stomachs against each other, <laughs> and then like hugging, we're like hugging oh, and sidestepping. Awesome. Uh, some tire flips that were pretty heavy that you know I, I can't remember. If that, I think that was a that was a, maybe a one person one. So the other problem. So me and Thomas are both athletic, right? So we can mm-hmm. uh, some of the stuff that like was is team based. We were just kind of breezing through as athletes, but. Uh, a lot of the stuff that you had to do, like you could not have done it without a teammate. So that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, it was a fun, fun event. Team races are just the best in general. I love them. I love them. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, like I said, because the the joy to me that when you run with a team, the joy is multiplied, right? Like, oh yeah, uh, you know, because you get like you're not only helping, like you, you're help, you're both getting a good uh, result. Because you know, I feel like I feel like with a lot of OCR, like I'm friends with a lot of people on the start line, and you know, yeah. it's still it's still a race, right? So I'm still going to do my best, and I'm still going to try to win, um, even if it means they have to lose. But you know, I'm still friends with them. I want all of us to be yeah. happy. You know, <laughs> so. yeah, no, I I had never gotten to do a team sport since I only did wrestling, and you you know how wrestling is like, and combat sports in general. Like, well, yeah. they might actually have teams. It's individual sports, so for me, like, it's a whole new experience. I think that's why I'm enjoying it so much. Yeah, but all right, yeah. we're gonna we're gonna start wrapping things up before we get going. Uh, tell us something people would be surprised to know about you. Could be oh could be- gosh could be anything more random the better typically oh man i've got to try to think of some kind of fun fact oh okay that this one's not anything i guess super exciting but it's interesting i guess and i guess you don't see it a whole lot anymore so my wife we've been together since i was 15 and she was 13 so she was my first girlfriend and we got married like two years ago so i feel like you don't that's not super common anymore and a fun little fact so no, that's not common. How long did you date for? So, um, so gosh, years? so bad. I'm still so young and already having trouble with. <laughs> so we got married in 2021. We actually got married the week after OCRWC. So, gosh, 2020. It, it would have been like 10 years, I guess, 10 or nine years. We dated, yeah. and yeah, then we got married. So that's a long fun, fun fact. Yeah. I dated my wife for uh, five years before we got married or I, four years. I think at four years we got engaged and then five years we got married, but it was, uh, even then people were like, you've been dating for four years and you're not married yet. I was like, Oh, it's like, I don't know. Right In, in the Northeast. So in the mid, I feel like in the Northeast people, I have friends that would date girls for years and sometimes break up. And in the Midwest, I feel like people don't date as long. I feel like people. I, I completely agree on that. And in the, ar- ever- in the no, army, the- also, I feel like people are like, "Oh, I met this girl, and uh, now we're married." And you're like, "Wait, what? You skipped several years of steps here." Absolutely. So different. All right. Uh, before we get going, any final shout outs you want to give friends, family, sponsors? I'm also going to say this publicly, so uh, make sure uh, you hold me account accountable to it. I want to get some of your uh, Midwest OCR people on the podcast uh, over the next yeah. couple of months. So you're going to have to connect me with a couple of them. Um, so Absolutely. pick their brains because there's a lot of great athletes there um, and I feel like I'm uh, the longer I'm in the sport the, the lazier I get as far as like reaching out to like newer faces so uh, yeah 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 Ke- Kevin Thompson would be a great they all would be great but I feel like Kevin he's done a, he's like flown under the radar despite how good he is so yeah, we'll, start with, we'll start with him and move move from there yeah so yeah sponsor wise uh, ultimate direction Super, super lucky to get to work with them. Um, huge brand in the ultra running world. Huge brand. Yeah, that, that has been a huge blessing. And then I guess shout out to all the Ohio people and just all the great people I'm friends with within OCR. Too many to really count or shout out individually. And thank you so much for having me on today. I'm super excited. And yeah. Yeah. That's all I got. Gotcha. So for any of our listeners, head over to teamstrengthsbeat.com or ultraocrman.com. My 24-minute uh, documentary shot by Bobby Ross is available there. It is a – you do have to pay 10 bucks, but the links are all over 
all over my website right now. Um, covers OCR Mill 21,000 feet and OCR America, plus some footage we shot about training, mindset, nutrition, kind of like dives into the sport of ultra OCR as a whole. Um, and then talk, obviously talks about me a lot, but I think anyone who's interested in mindset or the sport of ultra OCR or OCR in general, or just wants like an interesting story, I think, uh, I think you'd enjoy it. Again, it's professionally shot, so it's good. Uh, Blegmitz, small, medium, large, extreme, and light are all back in stock up at uh, teamstrengthsb.com, so you can check those out. Also want to give a shout-out to Obstacle Running Adventures. Uh, you can check out their most recent episode. They had Rachel Waters on, um, who's one, one of my teammates who went to Hannibal Race with me. I actually haven't finished the episode yet, uh, but at the beginning of the episode, uh, Mike gave a shout-out to my mom. Uh, if anyone was following my Facebook page, my mom passed away from cancer uh, about two weeks ago as of this recording. This is the first episode I've uh, published since the since her passing away. Uh, my personal life, I don't talk about it on social media very much, but it also felt weird like not mentioning it at least. Um, so I kept a lot of like my, my personal comments and you know our relationship and how that how the obviously that loss affected me away from Facebook and left that to my family and to the actual um, funeral and eulogy and stuff like that. Uh, but, you know, if anyone's having a similar experiences, uh, if you could jump back to the episode with Francis Lackner and the Everest Angels, um, who are at a, almost every toughest mutter, um, he has some great input because he also went through a similar experience. So some of the comments he made on there and then talking to him at some of the Tough Mudder events also helped. So I just wanted to Give a shout out to him, head back and listen to that episode and um, appreciate everyone that uh, said something or, you know, reached out to me on social media. Uh, Much appreciated, not necessary, but I do appreciate it. And I wanted to acknowledge it, uh, even though, again, keeping a lot of my personal comments and stuff like that to myself and my family. All right. Uh, And a little bit of a downer, but uh, Cameron, again, thanks for coming on and uh, appreciate, appreciate all the, great stuff you're doing and looking forward to see where the future takes you yeah thank you so much all right we'll catch you later yep